This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Back of the Nest Preview Show. Sponsored by PitchSport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Back of the Nest preview podcast joined with the match report this week as me, Hambo and Heskiff look back to the very disappointing defeat against West Ham and ahead to the upcoming fixtures against Wolverhampton Wanderers and Newcastle United. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yes, welcome everyone to the show. Yes, as I say, we're joined by Hambo this week of The Match Report. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, you've got Hambo on this week. He's my favourite. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he's replacing slacker Albert, who yet again is MIA Heskiff. Um, you, when he said he wasn't coming, you just posted two palm tree emojis in the WhatsApp group. Yeah, if when you go into the the emoji like menu in my phone and type in Albert, <laughs> the palm trees just turn up automatically. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, he well, I'm not so. So he didn't, offer, he didn't offer an explanation, did he? He just said, I'm not available. Is that is that the kind of diva he's become now? You get used to it, Hambo, to be honest. Yeah. But if he, ter- yeah. if he turns up, it's a bonus, really. Yeah, let's be honest. He's, he probably got on it last night after Dawson scored against us. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop one day. I'll stop one day, I promise. So, um, yeah, we're just going to sort of let the conversation flow a bit this week and not try try and keep it a bit... A bit jazzy, would you say, Hambo? Just, you know, free form? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, part of that could be because none of us have done any preparation regarding the match report. Could be that, could be that, uh, because, you know, we all work and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but also, you know, there's a danger, isn't there, of just saying the same things over and over again and reliving the, the West Ham game, which was kind of a culmination of everything that's been wrong with Palace for for quite some time. It just feels like going through the goals, which were abject defending you know and talking in too much detail about how the game unfolded would just be a waste of our time so we've got some listener questions um, but I think you know we can probably have a, a bit of a general chat first about what we thought if that's all right uh, guys I mean yeah what you've got out there is this is basically 442 this podcast yeah it is it's the formulaic 442 and, <laughs> well hey you, you know we can start there if you like because uh, I did pick up on your tweet with a you just you just tweeted a formation um, but obviously, Palace went with a four-four-two, didn't they? With Guiter in goal, Ward still keeping a spot ahead of Klein, which is um, interesting and, and perhaps worthy of a bit of discussion. Uh, Tompkins fractured eye socket and injured, which at the worst possible time, since he's the one who's basically sorted out, you know, our, our defence to, to some degree. But uh, it was Cahill and Kiate as a centre-back partnership. Mitchell keeping his place at left back. We had Townsend on the right of the four, Eze on the left of the four. With the uh, the dream two, the speed, the pace, the mobility of MacArthur and Milivojevic in the midfield, and Benteke and Zaha up front. But honestly, guys, when you look at the lineup, other than the fact that the enforced changed there, you, you don't look at it and think you're going to see what we saw, do you? No, nah, 
I was, yeah, I was quietly, with the exception of Klein, probably I would have preferred Klein for Waldy, but I, I mean, I'm assuming that's happened because they're playing Ben Rama on that side, and maybe they just wanted a bit more defensive solidity, which Ward probably offers over Klein. Um, but yeah, I was I was reasonably happy with the lineup, and I thought, you know, this Ben Teke's been looking a little bit better. Um, gives him a chance to build that relationship with Zaha a bit more. You know, Townsend's been, you know, he's a bit hit and miss this season, but he's been doing all right. And yeah, I was just, you know, Eze's in there as well. You're thinking, you know, we, we can give him a run for that money. We did at the London Stadium, which, you know, I, I guess, I mean, I'm guessing, I mean, Hesky, if we talked about this, it's a long, it's a long time ago. It's a different West Ham since that result, I guess. Yeah, it does. It does feel like a different West Ham and a different Palace, really, because as we said last week, that, that game, I was almost said Upton Park, that's bad, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> at the soulless bowl, uh, we were we were way better than them until Benteke gets sent off. And it was like the reverse yesterday where um, I think my, the highlight, I, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, the highlight of commentary for me was when one of them said, Palace had a brilliant first four minutes. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's it. I mean, that's literally it. We had a good first four minutes. And then everything was terrible. Yeah, it, it really was. And going back to that that Ward over Klein thing, I get stuck on this thing with with Hodgson where he starts thinking about height. I, I think you know he picks Ward over Klein for height reasons and height alone because you know Ward's never been the best at stopping crosses. Um, you know, but he, you know he's been decent. He's he's a reliable player, but I just think Roy gets fixated on this. And the the laughability of it is that we did, you know, we conceded from set pieces, which I think you might mention later, Terence. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I think that's that's the thinking there. Um, but it, it just doesn't fill you with confidence because Klein offers more. You know, as a one on one defender, he's excellent, and he offers more going forward as well. Um, so, yeah, it it just slightly baffles me. But you know, I do have to go back to the point I was making, which is that I didn't really have a problem with it. So what what's you know, thinking about what you're saying around the, the the change of formation, are you like me coming to the conclusion that you simply cannot play MacArthur and Milivojevic as a two in midfield? Oh, I, I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot um, for, uh, through the years on the pod, and uh, it's all over social media a lot as well. It's basically how Johan Kabay made Luka Milivojevic um, by playing alongside him in a two and making him look good. Whether that's harsh or not, I, I don't know, but. In in a two, especially in a when we're playing against a team who are playing a three in the middle of the park, we're just getting overrun all of the time. Con- constantly same thing over and over again. And Roy is obviously sitting there on the sideline um, with Ray Lewington, or or not as it was in this one. I'll get well soon, <laughs> Ray. Um, and they, they seem to think this is okay. You know, Jairo Riedeveld came on and seen how more of a dynamic midfielder he can be in a two. So, I, 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 you can hear I'm at a loss of words. It's, it's just, you know, it's Groundhog Day in there and he keeps putting them in there over and over again. And I don't, I, I don't know how he doesn't see it, Hambo. Why, what is, I mean, we talked about Klein already, but we, you know, this is a question that I know you've talked about, and, but I still just try and desperately to get to an answer of what did Gyro do to deserve <laughs> to be dropped? What was yeah. it? What was the thing? It, it, I mean, I was having a conversation earlier today uh, with Vanessa, my wife Vanessa, about it, and it's just like he got in the team and was 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 pretty good. You know, he didn't do anything to to say, "Oh, he deserves to be dropped." Gyro, um, and he played. I think when when Luca came back, I think Gyro had one game, and then that was it. Like the Gyro experiment was done. But like uh, like Terence said, he he came on yesterday, Gyro, and. I mean, I put it on Twitter, like in 15 minutes, I think he did more in those 15 minutes than Luca did in, in the rest of the game. And this is not necessarily to dig out Luca personally or anything, because I, I like him, but there was a point where I think Gyro started a move off near our box. And the next time I saw him, he was on the edge of the West Ham box, like playing a little pass off to a teammate. And I just think you're not going to see Luca do that. You know, he's not going to get up the pitch that quickly. He's not going to be, like Terence said, as dynamic. He's not as... as technically proficient as, as Gyro. So it is baffling that Gyro, you know, continually does, at, at worst, does all right, but doesn't, 
you know, get afforded the luxury of continuing to play in the team. And Terence and I both tweeted almost at exactly the same time. We were like, good to see Jairo doing well. Excited to see him back on the bench on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, well, to have a Crystal Palace player who almost every time he plays, his pass percentage is over 90%. I mean, why would you want him in the team? He obviously doesn't fit the plan of letting the other team have the ball. But I have a theory, Hambo, about why he might have been left out of the team. Maybe he corrected um, Roy on how he say his name. <laughs> um, it's, it's, not, it's not Jaiwo Wiedewald. <laughs> can't believe you went there. You've, you've, got, you've got a problem. You've got a problem you have, right? Um I think you should get that cut out of your of your own podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, okay. Um, but hang on, you, you've actually Let's let me down a, a road. I was going to go down next, right? Which is maybe not on the name front, but but when players, should we say, deviate from the plan, Roy Roy loses trust in them and and basically effectively punishes them. Now Townsend, I'm talking about the changes that we made. Townsend didn't have. You know, an, an outstanding game, but probably in the f- ten minutes before he went off, to me, he he just took the initiative, right? He he sort of he made one absolutely astonishing challenge when he come back in the box. He was the only one who saw the danger, the only one who was on the move to stop what would have been a certain goal, and and cleared it brilliantly. And then he started to move around. He was popping up on the left hand side, popping up in the centre of the pitch just trying to get involved, trying to bring the team up, show that little bit of energy. It was basically him and Wilf who were putting the energy into the game. And I was in the process on the watch along on, on, on YouTube of talking to DR about it. And then Roy takes him off. Like, oh my God, is, you know, I know, I know we, you know, Roy wanted to put on some attacking players and we'll talk about his comments in a little bit after the game. But I just, I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. And I was just like, really, has he, as he's seen Andros deviate from the established plan, which was obviously working so well, and just immediately hooked him off the pitch. Well, he did it um, in the Arsenal game. He took, was it Arsenal where he took Benteke off? Yeah. It was, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was our only route to goal was going to be Christian Benteke. And everyone was saying how good a game he was having. And then, you know, oh, oh, 74th minutes have arrived. I've got to make a substitution. It must be like for like. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm just going to take Benteke off for another striker. Um, but it's, the, I, I, it's these decisions that, for the best one in the world, if you, you want to like Roy, you want to want to respect him that he's been our manager for as long as he has. But it's these things that make you think that the the guy has lost it. He's actually properly lost it now, and, and the sight of him on the sideline, in, you know, in, in the rain, looking like a drowned rat, looking completely devoid of any energy. It was, I know, it's actually soul destroying to see. As much as I want him to go, I, I hate to see it. Whose hair looks worse in the rain? Is it Andros Townsend or Roy's? <laughs> that is a tough question. <laughs> I, just, I love it because Andros's hair just looks so pristine like when he comes on the pitch. And if it rains, it's like Monica in Friends when that episode, when they go to Dominican <laughs> Republic or whatever. It's, it's bad, yeah. Hair transplants aren't, aren't made for the rain, apparently. But no, I, yeah, I, with Roy's... It's, it'll kind of be, hopefully, as time goes on, he'll be remembered for the sterling job he did for us for most of the time he's been here because, you know, you, it's hard to, it's easy to live in the now. But you got, if you think back, the run he put together to get us out of relegation trouble in that first season and then he consolidated us really well in the second season. He's, he, he has done a fantastic job, but there's a few things that just... Uh, you know, go over Palace fans, which is you know, a has become a bit repetitive, a bit boring. We don't we don't go after the smaller teams, uh, particularly at home. If you think back to um, Newcastle, sorry about calling you a smaller team. That's you know what I mean. <laughs> and uh, and Burnley, Burnley, you know, you, you think back to those games. You just like you've stuck out the same team, the same defensive two minded two in the middle of the park, and you know you've not you've not gone after the results. And then on top of that as well, he's you know he's willingness to just allow the cups to fall by the wayside and things like that. Where you know it's it's the cup runs that will, will save us all all of our sanities in this sort of time. But he's not even willing to go after that, so it's a shame. But uh, the question for me is, um, and maybe 
with Frank Lampard getting sacked and everyone seeming obsessed with that is who, who, who do people want to replace Roy? A lot of people say they want him out, but I don't hear anyone come up with a really sound, this is who I want. Well, no, because it's a horrible question, isn't it? <laughs> because you, um, you know, you, you're just kind of stuck in that mindset of who's available. And then you just end up with talking about the same people over and over again. You know, I can, you can all, we can all say who we don't want, can't we? Because you're like, well, I don't want Sean Dyche because I don't think he can manage a South London football club. And that's my diplomatic answer to that one. <laughs> um, and, I, and I would say, you know, Lampard is not someone who, who screams he's a brilliant manager now and is a suitable person to join a club in our position that's got to build a new squad on limited funds. You know, there's nothing that he's done to, to suggest that he could do that well. Um, but, you know, you'd also potentially say he might give youth a chance he might be forward thinking but he's very green in his managerial career so I don't get the clamour for him Eddie we, Howe, we, yeah. we, we can no longer build the main stand because he spent all the money on Mason Mount <laughs> exactly exactly so then you you know Benitez gets talked about and you know my immediate thought on that is oh that would be good and then you read you know people saying actually he's, he's basically Roy Hodgson again um, you know, some, some I can't remember who it was who was with him at Liverpool, but said that it might have even been Steven Gerrard. And talking of Gerrard, that's a name that appeals if, if we had any chance of getting him, which I think he's probably quite happy where he is, you know. Yeah, I, th- I, I think um, Parish likes Gerrard mm. and and it would be something he'd be interested in doing. But oh, I mean, uh, Gerrard, why risk it? Do you know what I mean? He can, it looks like he's going to dominate with Rangers in Scottish football, he's doing well in Europe. So just wait it out at Rangers until the Liverpool job becomes available. Why risk giving up that job to come to a job like Palace in the Premier League and then risk your whole good reputation going out the window? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think, I mean, some of the names that I've talked about before, Hambo mentioned, uh, you didn't mention Alan Pardew, so I'm assuming he's uh, out of the picture. <laughs> um, but G- Gerard's one that's interesting because... He doesn't have huge amounts of experience either, sort of a bit like Lampard, yet he does seem a lot more uh, like the sort of bloke you want leading your team. You know, I know it's Scotland, but defensively they're really good, which is something that's really fallen by the wayside under Roy. You know, we, we were a team that, yeah, we didn't score many goals, but we were also pretty good at the back. So that it, it sort of worked out, whereas now it's like, well, we're not very good going forward and we're bloody terrible at the back so you know it's the worst of both worlds yeah was it with 13 12 or 13 more goals than we've conceded at this point last season yeah i mean it it, every game i i know we're going to concede it's not like can can we sort of can we keep a clean sheet i know we had one against sheffield united not that difficult against arsenal where we actually played all right um but with gerard it's you know, like you say, he's also doing really well in Europe, isn't he? You know, and they're good defensively in, in the European games as well. So even though he's not a particularly experienced manager, he, he's definitely one that I would quite like. I mean, it's you have to acknowledge that Palace is going to be a stepping stone club for someone like him, but that's fine because if he ends up going to Liverpool after having been Palace manager, then he must be doing all right with Palace, you know? So I think it'll be one, I think the fans would get on board of that to be honest. And and also, and it's only, it might seem like a little thing, but because he's a big name and he's got a big reputation, you know, I don't think he'll let the officials know, you know, they won't get for a game without him being in their room all the time. Whereas with Roy, you see him every now and again look a bit grumpy, but, you know, he's not, he's not sticking his oar in like a Warnock or something like that. And it sort of, it just goes to enhance the sort of, like, I don't see him hyping the team up to get out of this bad spot that we're in, you know, whether that's a team talk or shouting on the touchline or whatever. It just, yeah, it just seems like he's sort of given up a bit and the players have too. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the other name that keeps obviously cropping up in Eddie Howe, I think, you know, his reputation took a bit of damage at Bournemouth, but, you know, it's hard to get over the fact he looks like a Thunderbird puppet. So I don't... (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that one either. So, you know. Uh, my, my, the, the strings, is it? 
<laughs> the best the best I ever heard about Eddie Howe was saying he he looks like the PE teacher that hits on all the year eleven girls. <laughs> yeah, that is that is so true. Hundred yep. percent. Yeah. Not that any of us are saying that he that would do. No. Yeah, of course not. But I don't. You know, Eddie Howe did a an amazing job with Bournemouth. Yes, they they did have some money, and it, it, you get that whole plucky Bournemouth thing. But I think that's more keeping them in the Premier League and stuff like that. You, you've still got to you've still got to do what he did, and he he did a great job. And there's obviously interest there. Um, there has been interest there in the past. Um, so Parish has obviously you know wanted tried to get him. And it didn't end up materialising, but it all it, it, all the dots add together with how doesn't it? Like he's he's left Bournemouth. He he wants to take a year out. Roy's got a year left on his contract. It kind of feels like it makes sense that it's going to be it's going to be how at the end of it. And you know, at least he tries to play a bit more attacking football, and that's what we're all crying out for. If it ends up being a Charlton employing Ian Dowie kind of scenario, then so be it. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, for, for such a drastic style of change in football, um, in the style of football, I, I wouldn't be too adverse to it. But again, you, you, you like you say, you're picking the best of a bad bunch, really. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I said this on the the pod the other day, and and you, you mentioned attacking football there, and it, you know we do want to see a bit more of an attacking impetus, but. I do think there's a big difference between the word positivity and, and attacking. You know, people like to talk as if it's the same thing. But when we say that we're negative, it doesn't necessarily follow that we're negative and defensive. We're just negative with our mindset when we go out on the pitch. So it leads to, you know, we stop, we're we very slow, we're very one-paced, and you can see we can change it up because when we're chasing games, after the game's dead and we make some subs, of course, we then start chasing the game and, and the pace is there. But again, you're trying to judge whether or not the impact of that is is what we've changed, or whether the the opposition have taken their foot off the gas. But yeah, I would, the, good, I, the good comparison there is thinking of Tony Pulis's time, where we only ever had twenty three percent of the ball, but it was some of the most exciting football we played. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but look, I, I think we'll probably end the sort of the roundup of the match stuff before we get into the previews and you know and some ads as well. We've got we've got an ad to do. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, which I've which I've just remembered, so but I think I'd like to uh, to wrap things up by just going through some quick questions, and I'll, I'll hit the first one at you, Heskiff. But you can obviously both have your your views and answer. So the, the first one is more of a point than a question from Mark Drew, but it, it will form a question. And Mark thinks that we're beginning to be drawn into a relegation battle once again, and it's been, and it's of our own making. Are we are we heading towards a relegation battle? Well, I think the next few games are going to answer that more clearly. Um, our running is pretty terrible as it was last year. And these next six or seven games are against teams sort of around us or in bad form. And if we play in as, like you say, pedestrian away, one-dimensional away as we have in the last few games, then it'll be very tough to see us going up rather than down. I think that's my sort of, yeah, diplomatic way of saying it because... You know, if you're not if you're not beating teams like Wolves, Newcastle, and the like, then uh, you know we're not going to do anything against Liverpool, Man Cities of the world. So, the next month or so of games are going to be key, 100 percent for the season. Well, I mean, you look look here. So, uh, Fulham have a game in hand, uh, obviously, but we're ten points clear of the relegation zone at the moment. Yeah, it it, it feels. It's for one of Fulham or West Brom or Sheffield United to string enough games together to pick up the points to get above us and just, you know, Roy always naturally just picks up points. I think we're just too far ahead. But again, it's it's only we're only not going to get dragged in because there's a few shitter teams in the league this season um, than perhaps there has been in previous seasons. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the, uh, the thing that I've sort of developed over the years since we've been in the Premier League now. It's, it's kind of hard to get relegated from the Premier League these days. <laughs> I was just about to say, I, I know I'm the miserable one, but I was positive and said we'd get a draw against West Ham and it went very wrong. So I don't necessarily want to say we're definitely not going to get relegated for fear of jinxing it again. Yeah, I, I just I, I, I know what you mean, but with, with this kind of thing, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm setting myself up for some terrible clips later on in the season if we do go down. But you know, it's 
it's it's it would seem extremely it would appear to be extremely difficult to get relegated from this point. I, we've got twenty three points after twenty games. We know we know that Roy always just will put a run together where we score a few goals, uh, a few we'll we'll win a few games in a row and that sort of thing. You just you just know it's going to happen. So well, I, I, can't, yeah. I can't see it. I mean, I hope so. I've got a phrase I've been repeating a lot this this season when people say uh, Roy Hodgson keeps you in the Premier League, and I said, yeah, he does. It's true until he doesn't, and you know, <laughs> we. I don't. I don't have a tremendous amount of confidence, other than the fact that exactly as we really talked about is that the other teams in the league are going to have to go some. But when you look at the fact we got twenty three points and the rate that we're picking points up, and and certainly. If we don't pick up performances in the next few games, as Hesketh was saying, it's it's you know the the running is terrible. So I'm look, I'm I'm happy to say I don't think we're going down, but I think it's going to be a, a very poor season by the end, frankly. So uh, next question, this one's to you, Terence, and um, we've was, kind was, of... the, was the frankly your sort of subliminals about Lampard? <laughs> we it would have been a great link to this question, you know, and we look we have we have um, we've touched on this already. So just if there's anything that you want to add to it. Um, Otherwise, we have really answered Sam's question. But I'm going to read it anyway, because he's kind enough to get in touch. He says, I don't, I can't understand the clamour for Lampard. The evidence is he's not a particularly good manager, particularly in man management, which interesting articles have appeared and all sorts of stuff around that. Uh, he says, I want change, but not in that direction. I'll take Howe or Benitez if it'd come rather than Lampard. And I suppose, you know, honing in on the, I want change, but not in that direction. I'm in the, I want change, and I'd probably take DeBoer back right now. Um, but got, got sacks for less, as everyone was saying. On, um, yeah. I was going to say well. we don't really have a great track record of managers called Frank. <laughs> True story. <laughs> but anyway, I think I think we have answered that, Sam. So I'll ask Terence this one instead. And it's Martin who's got in touch and said, "Do we have better attacking options if Zaha plays on the left of midfield? As they could go right, giving us two strikers in addition." Ayu and Batshuayi combined well for the goal last night, but could be any two from four. Is that something you see happening or would want to see happening? It's, yeah, yes, I want Zaha back on the left, but it seems to be a ridiculous statement considering what is... Is he on 10 goals now this season? Add, add in a couple of assists on top of that as well. You know, He's fine in the back of the net and we haven't had any striker do that since Benteke in his first season with us. So it seems ludicrous for us to say that we should be moving Zaha out wide. But uh, I mean, I'd, uh, the caveat to that is I'd, I'd only move him out wide if it was in a change of formation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him out wide left in a four, four, two, just, uh, you need, you can't have him and Eze on both flanks, especially not in a, in a four, four, two, the way Royer plays, it would, it would be suicide. You know, we, yeah, I just you can't you can't do it because then you're you're asking uh, you're really going to split Milivojevic and Macarthur as much as it is. Macarthur can sort of cover one side and cover over and help Mitchell out when Eze goes off roaming and then loses the ball. But I just I can't see Luca being able to do it on the other side if I'm honest. So no, not in a four four two. If if we switch to a four two three one, I I would love to have Zaha back out left and then and then get Eze in the middle. To be honest, not on the not on the right. In an ideal world, we get Zaha, Schlapp and Eze in behind either Benteke or Batshuayi or, um, you know, with Schlapp out, then you'd probably go with Townsend. But I think the key for Eze is getting, allowing him to get on the ball more often higher up the field, where at the moment he seems to be having to try and make a lot happen from deep, which is why he ends up losing the ball quite a lot because it's easy for him to get crowded out or he's trying to do a bit too much and things like that, where if you can get him on the ball more sort of towards the final third of the pitch, I reckon he can be a big nuisance then. Well, it's, it's funny because we've we, that's the point with Zaha, isn't it? And Roy's even talked about that. We solved the problem with, with Wilf not getting as involved as much as as we need him involved, or, or should we say not really delivering that kind of end product that he's capable of because he was given too much responsibility to do other things. And the whole point was don't be running from deep, be be doing all of your work in that final third and the goals and the assists will come. So we've now done that and then created the same problem for Eze. And just like, well, there's a way to solve that, isn't there? Because you just did it with, with Wilf. Quite a, why don't you think about how you could do that? Uh, you know. Well, I mean, if you find a way to get... 
if you play Zaha at the top of that and Eze in behind him and then you've got Schlupp and Townsend on either way and we can find a way to make that work, I mean, that could end up causing teams a whole heap of problems. But um, exactly. I can't can't see Roy doing it, to be honest. All right, Hesketh, you've got this one. Uh, Myron Bolitar, great name. His, uh, his, his Twitter handle is at Peanut Power as well, which is uh, which is good. Um, he says also Cahill said post match the game at the weekend can't zoom in, can't come soon enough for him. Assuming we're all thinking exactly the opposite. Thoughts on Cahill? Um, I yeah, I agree. I'm, it, it's the opposite for me. Don't really want to watch it. Um, Cahill, I uh, am perhaps not as big a fan of as other people. Uh, I've noticed, not necessarily of late, but I noticed it a bit last year. He, he's not great at marking on corners or set pieces. And I mentioned it uh, to, to a mate of mine and didn't think anything of it. And then he got injured, so he didn't really see it. Um, but if you yeah, if you watch him on corners, I mean, he he got... He didn't even lose Dawson for that goal. He just fucking just ignored him. Um, I get that he's had a great career and he's probably a locker room leader and has a lot of experience. Um, but I'm perhaps not as enamoured with him as others. I think he's not been... He, I don't think he's been great as much as none of our defenders have, really. Um, Tonks was all right when he came back in. But, yeah, I think it, I think he, he's found the going a little bit tough. Uh, and I don't know what the answer to that is. Because, I mean, at the moment, unless Kelly's properly fit, it's going to be him and Kiate again. Um, and, of course, it's great to hear the players say, yeah, look, we want the game to come so we can, we can right the wrongs of the West Ham game. But... I'm just worried that we're going to continue the wrongs of the West Ham game, you know. And- well, well, did it? Did, did he seem that confident though? Because he, he did say, "I hope that's how the boys are feeling." I think he was talking about himself. <laughs> I haven't spoken and, uh, to them. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I don't like any of them. Yeah, I'm just here for a couple of final paydays. No, I, 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 I was a big fan of Cahill before he got injured, and you just you you wondered at the time when it happened, when you heard the severity of the injuries. Like, you know, someone that old coming back from that injury can can take a little bit longer to get up to speed and so on. And um, I, I think what's very clear is him and Kiate as a partnership doesn't work. Um, I don't know whether it's because they're two similar sort of players. Like Cahill kind of fancies himself as someone who strides out from the back from what he's picked up in his Chelsea days. And Kiate wants to do the same thing. But they are so often so far apart from each other that it's scary and it's no wonder teams are easily scoring against us. Except for when they headbutt each other. <laughs> well, oh, well, yeah. One time they do get close to each other, they knock each other out. Did you did you see in the background, I picked it up on the watch along, they showed a replay of it and uh, Dave Reddington on the bench, like, as soon as it happened, he just put his head in his hands. It was the most... <laughs> it was just like, oh my God, what the hell? You know, and I just thought that was a brilliant reaction from old Redders, so... Well like done, the famous um, Brendan Rogers in the background when Belassi does Lovren yet again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just got his hands on his head like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last question. Uh, I won't read them all out. So thank you to everybody who got in touch. It was, it's really helpful. We read everything, but um, yeah, we've got to, we've got to march things on a little bit. Ben Hilton is offering a bit of balance for us here. So he's saying, Terence, that the, the getting rid of Roy at this stage of the season has no benefits whatsoever. We're never going to break into Europe and I don't think we're going to get relegated. We've had good spells and we've had bad spells like every season. Since when did we become so demanding? Yeah, I get uh, with my sensible head on, I, I completely I, I agree. Um, it, it makes no sense getting rid. Uh, if if the long-term pitcher is Eddie Howe and he wants a year out and Celtic don't come in and nip him, whatever, like... Yeah, let him have his year out. Let Roy bow out at the end. I can't, as I've already said, higher up in the show, I can't see us getting relegated. But I think the demanding comes from, this is a tough time for everyone, right? And we're we're all stuck at home for most of the day, if not all of it for some people. And then your escapism is you want to watch your football team and, you want to enjoy watching your football team. And I spoke about it a couple of pods ago saying uh, for the first time since Peter Taylor, I'm I'm not wanting to watch Palace. Like as soon, as soon as uh, Suchek scored that first goal last night, I was just like, I, I, I know exactly what's going to happen here. They're going to score one, maybe two more and comfortably see out the game. 
So I was like, why, why am I, why am I going to watch this? Like, it's, it's just going to, I'm just increasingly going to get more and more infuriated through the game. I'm going to get more and more shakes of the head from my wife at the other end of the sofa. And is it, is it worth all the hassle? Um, and pff, hey, presto, it, exactly what I thought would happen, happened. And let, let's be honest, last night could have been six or we could have gone for seven again. It, it, it wasn't like, you know, it was a close run thing or anything like that. Antonio missed four bloody sitters in that game. Could very, and we could very easily conceded a few more, you know, if you, if you think Gleiser made a couple of good saves in there as well. Um, so it's not fun. So that's why people come in demanding because everything's in like really under the microscope at the moment because for a lot of people, we were so obsessed with football. It's, it's what we had to live for at the moment. I think... You know, I, I can only echo that really because it feels different. You know, you know when it's a normal up and down throughout the course of the season. We've all get, we all kind of you know shake our fist and say typical Palace and all that kind of stuff. But we know something better is coming. Uh, I talked about it on the on the watch along. To me, it's it's been a trend for a long, long time that this is a team uh, in decline and a manager who can't arrest that decline. And you know, it says a lot that. If, you, if you've been following the watch-alongs on YouTube, that the DR hosts, and it's, it's usually myself and Patrick or myself and Mike are, are on those. You know, we've progressed from... I mean, take Patrick. He's progressed from starting really angry to getting absolutely incandescent and smashing stuff while he's watching. And he was just laughing the whole time. He, he left at half-time to go to work. Um, and then it, it was really only DR that was getting worked up. And by the end of the... <laughs> By the end of the watch along, he was just we're just resigned to it now, um, and that that tells you a lot. And there's a lot of people feeling like that, and and I respect Ben for that that bit of balance. But you know, to me, it feels different. Back of the nest, sponsored by Pitch Sport, fun time videos, choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around, to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Okay, well, that uh, is the end of the match report section and we'll get into the previews. But just before we do, Terence, I'm going to launch into a uh, an unplanned Manscaped advert, if that's all right. I mean, it's fine. I was, I, I was wondering if we were ever going to get towards Manscaped of the match in the match report. But, oh, uh... we've got to do that, absolutely. But I, um, but I certainly want to say thank you to everybody because Manscaped have, uh, have renewed their sponsorship of us. Now we're, we're now in partnership with them. That means plenty of you out there have taken advantage of their brilliant products, which we've all got and all tried. And we've got more on the way. Um, next month, we'll be talking to you about the, the range of scents. And I'm really looking forward to getting my uh, my parcel and, and smelling like a man. How about you, Terence? Well, this is quite interesting, actually. It's come at a strange time because I've actually foregone uh, deodorant for about 10 days now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm trying to like see if it because you know it's kind of like if you don't wash your hair for several weeks, it starts to self clean and stuff like that. So I'm like, you know, I'm not. Go I'm literally moving around within the four walls of my house. I'm not exerting any energy or anything, so I'm not working up a sweat or anything to smell. So I'm just, I'm just going to give it a go and see what happens. Um, and I actually went out for a long walk around Crystal Palace Park um, on the weekend and. Um, I didn't come back smelling anywhere near as bad as I thought. So maybe it's working. So, however, having a little spray of a scent on top is a completely different thing. Like a little bit of dab on the neck and stuff like that. I might need it to disguise the, if the deodorant isn't working. 
<laughs> I mean, there's so so many questions I could ask, but probably not in the middle of an advert. <laughs> your, your logical decision making there, but, um, but listen, there's only one deodorant I need now, and that's the Manscaped ball deodorant. So, well, exactly, and that smells beautiful uh, on on me. I haven't been smelling other balls, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But frankly, you know, you wouldn't be scared to put your head near another man's balls if he was using Manscaped products, would you? Um, <laughs> not that I'm advocating it. I've dug myself a small hole here. But anyway, um, obviously, we're, we're still pushing the products. If you go to manscaped.com uh, at checkout, if you enter B-O-T-N, you will get 20% off plus free shipping. The range of products they've got is absolutely fantastic. Uh, we've been trying lots of them out. Um, you know, it, it's changed the lives of some of the people on the podcast, I can tell you that. Nick Gillard has never been so excited in his life. Um, but, um, the you know lawnmower 3.0 is a fantastic bit of kit, fantastic trimmer, um, and and yeah, the the ball deodorant, the ball toner, those are incredible products that um, DR has still not calmed down about, and and plenty more to talk about in the near future. So check it out, manscaped.com, code B O T N. When when my missus heard read that there was ball deodorant in there, she thought it was a roll on like a ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can understand that. I can understand that innocence, but um, but hey, it isn't. It's go. actually no. It's it's like a cream. The ball deodorant. Um, mm. Just I've just started to drift off thinking about what if it was a ball deodorant to apply to your balls, and uh, but I had to <laughs> I had to stop thinking about those sensations and let's move on with the show. <laughs> Right, yeah. So I guess let's let's start looking ahead towards where we, you know the, we play Saturday and Tuesday, so we won't get another preview in before. May oh, I guess maybe you you guys will cover a bit off in the match report, but we'll look ahead sort of loose, like mainly at Wolves and then loosely at Newcastle that follows. Heskip, uh, I said it at the end of the, the preview show uh, last week. It's, how is it Wolves again? It seems like we play them every week, and they've, they've got our number, haven't they? Yeah, well, it seems like we're playing them every week. And for Wolves, it's great because we literally play the same way against them every week. Uh, <laughs> so I think that I think the Wolves' preparation for the game is going to be very easy for them. Uh, well, they've, they've played while we're recording and have drawn 0-0 with um, Chelsea, which means that puts Wolves at seven Premier League games without a win. Well, you know what that means. <laughs> I mean, not, not, not only because we were talking about this just before we started recording, but not not only is the Wolves team performance of late not very good, um, but there was a stat that Adama Traore's had, you know, like a record number of key passes without registering an actual assist. <laughs> so he got he got the he got the goal monkey off his back uh, in the cup. And I mean, put your money on him getting an assist against us because it's nailed on, I think. Yeah, I mean, we started to, if you think back to Jordan Ayew getting his first goal for Palace and um, we we did re- really well that night. We have we, some really good performances against Wolves when they first got promoted, but since then it's all gone a bit downhill since that Diogo Yota last minute equaliser at Sellers. We've, um, we've not been able to really lay a, lay a glove on them. Uh, Heskiv, like Hambo, sorry, like Heskiv said there, the only problem is we know we're going to go out with the same formation. Can you see any chance that Dryero, after his fantastic 15-minute cameo when he came on, is going to force his way into the reckoning or it's he's just going to roll out the same carpet? I, I can't see anything different. I, I mean, you know, I live in hope, but I I can't really see. I mean, look, he, he seems to have this weird obsession with, with playing MacArthur two games uh, in a week, right? Which I just don't understand. I, I mean, it, it seems if you get a good performance out of MacArthur and then you play him three days later, it just seems like you know he's just he's lacking energy. And you, you think the manager must be out of spot it, but I don't expect Jairo to start. And when I think about the Wolves game, I look at the way the two games this season, the way that they've they've set out to play against us. If you go you go back to the first league game when they when they scored their first goal. They celebrated like they won the cup. I mean, it's the smuggest face on, on Santo I've ever seen in my life because it was just, you could tell that they had designed that 
to play against us. That that the way they operated, where they thought the space was, it was exactly there. They knew how to play against us. And when we played them in the cup, we had learned nothing from that defeat whatsoever. Okay, different set of players. We we rotated a little bit in the squad, but we played in the exact same way. So why would we expect anything different? And they know not to expect anything different. So I'm expecting the exact same result. <laughs> Uh, Heske, this, this is going to be Wolves' third away game in a row, um, and in the in the space of you know eight days, and one of those games is including going to Chorley, which um, yeah, it's, uh, the ch- changing room is probably only slightly better than the ones at Sellers. Not a kid, they're apparently <laughs> apparently um, they've been changing Sellers now, and they're, oh, they're in the port cabins, I guess. So maybe who knows? But yeah, anyway, my point is three away games in a row in eight days. Um, could it could it just take its toll on them and it'll be a bit too much and that could play into our hands or am, am I clashing at some very severe straws here? I mean, in principle, you'd hope so, but I mean, West Ham had played I think two games between when we'd played our last game and you wouldn't you wouldn't have known it from watching that game. Um, yes, West Ham are in better form than Wolves, but. Uh, you know, like Cambo said, if we're playing the same system and we'll probably play the same team, you know, we're going to be knackered anyway. So, you know, I don't know if they're travelling or their their extra game will, will make that much difference. And it, it says a lot about, you know, Hambo mentioned Jimmy there. Like, I, I love McCarthy. He's one of my favourite players. And he, he covers so much ground. And that's one of the reasons why he's such a good player. Um, but like Hambo said, if you're playing him every single game, you're not giving him a rest. There's going to come a time where, with the best will in the world, his legs ain't going to be able to carry him like they normally would. And surely, giving him a game's rest and then letting him come back as the sort of ground-covering monster that he usually is would benefit you. But, you know, these these things don't happen. And for me, I know I'm miserable and I'm always negative and all that, but it, it, it doesn't really matter to me that that Wolves are in poor form because I just think about our team more and how easy the scouting and the preparation must be because we literally don't change it for any opposition. It doesn't matter what system, what players, what threats the opposition have. We're just going to play the same rigid way that hasn't been working uh, and expect something to be different and I just don't see it happening. Hmm. Okay, let's let's turn on to what could be a bright point um, in in a very dark Palace world at the moment. But Hambo, we've signed Jean Philippe Mateta 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 from 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 Mainz, and um, I'd like to see YouTube subtitle me saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so good! The YouTube subtitles are so funny. If you're ever watching our stuff on YouTube, stick the subtitles on because it mangles everything Dr says. And, uh, and and it was young flip Matita, wasn't it? Yeah, it made him sound like a rapper. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there was a lot of speculation within the WhatsApp groups that I'm in that um, he deliberately misspelled his name on the visa to try and get out of it after he had chained with us for a couple <laughs> of days. <laughs> but um, you know, Roy, Roy said his visa sorted now, and um, he has to think about now whether he starts him against Wolves. And uh, I, I mean. I said it on the preview podcast, but there's nothing quite better than a striker you've never seen play. But for, for a bit of excitement, we want him thrown in, don't we? Absolutely, we do. Yeah. And and the, here's the thing, and it's a horrible negative thing to say in a lot of ways, but that's where we are, isn't it? And that's that Roy's not had time to ruin him yet. Okay. <laughs> He's not had time to, to nullify his attacking instincts and tell him to chase back and run around like Jordan Ayew does. You know, because let's face it, Jordan Ayew gets picked because of his work rate. Roy said it. Nothing about how effective he is up front. You've got this raw talent. You know, he's very much in that mould of what you know what we call a street footballer, isn't he? He fits in with Eze uh, and, and Zaha in particular. He's that type of player, very raw. Come up through the, the French leagues in a very different way. He didn't start at a high-level academy, did he? Kind of worked his way in through, through the lower leagues and, and got his opportunities and just, just kicked on and kicked on. And, you know, you can only tell so much through YouTube videos, but... You know, the, the kind of raw talent he has, a bit of pace, a bit of power, you know, and he's, he's a big unit as well. Those, those are, You can see why the scouts have looked at him for two years because he's got everything in his locker to be a, a really, really good striker in Roy's system. And I say that in Roy's system, have him, have him lead him that line, have him create in Havoc up there and have the rest of the team actually playing with some energy. 
and then you we, we could cause real problems. Um, so I'm trying to think that positively about it um, and mm. chuck him in as soon as. That, that's my view. Well, yeah, from what I've seen of him, he looks like a striker that likes to play between the goalposts, but... Um, he doesn't. He just doesn't realise yet that that means five yards inside his own half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I, I mean, I'm excited. But he looks like a striker that thrives on service, and as is Christian Benteke, for example. And um, I just don't. I don't think we're set up to get service into a striker like that. So I just don't. Uh, if we're going to continue to bang the same drum, I don't know why anyone's going to expect a different beat to come out. And but if, if I'm the groundsman, I wouldn't be buying any extra corner flags because I, I don't think <laughs> him breaking them is going to be a worry, if I'm honest. <laughs> but I don't, yeah, you're right. I, I, you've tried to be positive there, Hammer, and I've just completely been negative. I just a little <laughs> bit, you know, I, I, I want to, I really do want to be excited. You know, we've signed a striker who's got 10 goals before Christmas playing for a team that's bottom of the league or second bottom of the league in Germany. So he's obviously got something about him, and um, hopefully we can make that work. And hopefully him and Zaha can strike up a relationship and, yeah. It, it all goes well and um if not if worse comes to worse if we can send you to the training ground to whisper sweet nothings in french to him <laughs> yeah and then wonder why he's pissed off back to germany <laughs> and just, uh, I, I, every time i think french all i just come to is voulez-vous que share avec moi so I, I don't think that's what you'd be whispering to well, him yeah. or maybe Listen. well maybe after he's got a few goals <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I, I was going to say I did what, one other thing that I noticed. Um, you talking about service to Benteke? I did notice yesterday was in the West Ham game was that again we took him off and then started putting crosses in the box. So that's that's I think that's my favourite tactic change from Roy is take off the big man and then get the cross in the air. Well, Hambo, I don't know what you think about this. I've, I talked about this on Twitter with someone um, yesterday or today. I don't know. All the days blend into one nowadays, but. They were saying this as well, but I've come to the conclusion it must be something to do with Benteke, why we don't get crosses into the box when he's on the field. Uh, because it, it must be the position, he, the, the way he's setting up to try and help the wingers cut inside that is the reason the crosses don't come in. So when immediately he's off the field and it's a Batshuayi or an Ayu who's not doing that, more crosses come into the box. I think you're doing well to to highlight that it would be insane if it was deliberate. <laughs> Is that an answer? Um, I think I think I, I dare say you're right to to a degree because you're you know you're absolutely right. When Benteke is on the pitch, we are playing a certain way to use him to to hold the ball up and bring people into play, and he does that well. Whether it's through the centre and, and as you say, as, as wingers rushing on, but it's. It's quite a, um, a. It's just quite a strange thing to witness because, let's face it, you know his movement and positioning. That is that is something that dropped off once Roy took charge, um, and and he lost that confidence. So we can certainly highlight Benteke's own sort of movement where he stands in the box, um, and other than that, that little purple patch when he got back into the team, the kind of movement across the to the front post to get ahead of a defender, those sorts of things just aren't happening. Um, but it's not something I'd thought about until you said it. But you know, you're absolutely right. It's you know, his, st- his starting position seems rarely to be that of a that of a striker waiting for a cross. You know, so but but Roy, <laughs> I was I said it probably about a hundred times on on the watch along because it's annoyed me so much when Roy talked about shots on target versus balls across the six yard box. So every time there was a ball across the six yard box, I celebrated and said Roy would be happy, but. You know, that's the type of cross that we're trying to work through with Benteke on the system. If we are getting it wide, we're trying to cut it back into the penalty area, either across the six-yard box low or cut back to sort of the penalty spot area low. So it's it's clear we're getting into crossing positions while Benteke is on the pitch. So I think what you're saying explains it to a point, but not entirely. It is It is a really, really weird situation. Stunned silence. Are you there, Terence? I'm here. Sorry, I was on, I'm talking to the mute button. Um, one of the things that came out of the West Ham game is that on the preview pod, I said that West Ham will score from a set play. Mm. <laughs> they scored from two. Um, we're, in, we're in the same situation here. Uh, Wolves have scored the second most set pieces this season in the Premier League. So Southampton and West Ham are top on 10. 
Villa, Wolves and Everton are all tied on nine. Um, where are, where are then, we in that list, just out of interest? It, it was scoring from set pieces. Yeah. We've actually we've scored from four. You know, mm. Eze's brought a bit of swaz to some of the free kicks. So um, uh, if you, can we read them off? I'm assuming Jeff Schlupp against Spurs is on there. Uh, Scott Dan against Leeds. Um, uh, I'm already I'm already struggling to find any more. I there's got to be another Eze free kick in there. I don't know yeah. Tompkins. Oh, do, so the Eze free kick, right? The direct free kick. Does that count? I yes, that, that would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then did someone else score direct from a free kick, or am I imagining that? I'm really struggling. Hmm. Shows how interesting. I'm usually great on stuff like this. I'm usually you can just read them off. Just, yeah. Uh, but no, so but then when you, when you look at conceded from set pieces, um, we're only second on that list. Um, Wanna hazard a guess at which teams conceded more set pieces than us? Sheffield United. Nope, they've conceded the same amount. Leeds. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the um, you know, the greatest team in the country. <laughs> greatest team in the country is somehow only three points ahead of us. So I don't know how that works out, but yeah. So Wolves, big scorers from set pieces. They also concede that they've conceded the same amount of set pieces, and us. So perhaps there's some joy to be had there, especially with that big old uh, big old Mateta coming in and um, Eze getting some dangerous balls into the box, hopefully. But um, yeah, so I'll say it again. Wolves will score from a set piece <laughs> against Crystal Palace on the weekend. But going into looking a little bit ahead where we just, we'll, we'll touch on Newcastle a bit and thankfully they don't score from set pieces. Well, not yet anyway. But um, Hambo, this is a massive game, right? You know, Newcastle are going to be coming into that on the back of six defeats in a row. Um, yeah. One thing I will say is Roy has been good at putting poor teams away in his Palace career largely when it comes to the really poor teams. Largely, but of course we did lose to Newcastle relatively recently, didn't we? So Yeah, um, but they, they, it, 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 they wasn't in this kind of rut then. There was a bit more form to them. I mean, I, I'm talking about when the team, you know, he's done really, really well against newly promoted teams and teams that are in a relegation zone we tend to have done all right against. It's more the teams around us. It's the ones we've struggled against under Roy. But, yeah, um, exactly. I, I, I mean, no, they, 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 they look like they've, they, they're dead and buried. They just they can't pick up a result from anywhere. They, yeah, they do. They, you know, they are they, their confidence has completely gone. Um, and and Bruce, very similar to Hodgson, the, the comments you get from Newcastle fans. I was on a, a Newcastle pod just just before the first game where I told them that they would win. And they were laughing their heads off and saying, you know, that they were saying the exact same things about Steve Bruce that we say about Hodgson that the substitutions are baffling, that the setup is the same every single week, that he comes out in the press afterwards and says, well, we were better in the second half. And I was just thinking, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. <laughs> um, you know, And I was saying, well, it's weird because as much as he left us badly and, and we don't have a lot of time for Steve Bruce, when he was with us, we played, played some really nice football. So the idea that he's this boring negative manager that we, you know, we talk about Hodgson as, as that now, um, and they very much see Bruce as that. I suppose it does show you the impact of the squad that people are working with um, the, on their managerial style. But you know, Bruce has as you know, the, he hasn't got any real inspiration there, has he? You know, the, the, there's nobody really firing on all cylinders. I thought, you know, Fraser was going to be a great signing for them, and he's he's barely played. I think you know, and it's, it's Callum Wilson is probably the spark there, isn't it? Although we made we made Joel Linton look like Messi, but other than that, <laughs> I think. I think Will Wilson's the spark for them, but even he can't do it all on his own. Um, so it is an opportunity for us to do, as you say, Roy to, to set up the right way, to, to get on the front foot, try and get that early goal and frustrate Newcastle to, to a degree and then start trying to hit them on the counter. We do When we do that well, you know, we can put the, 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 the teams that are struggling, we can put them to the sword, but I just don't have any confidence in it right now. I, you know, I can, I can see a nil-nil or a 1-0 Newcastle, as I feel at the moment. Mm, yeah um, how are you feeling about it Hesky if you've just seen the same sort of thing Callum Wilson late goal yeah yeah, I, I definitely think there'll be a one goal in it for whoever does win um, but like Hambo I, I actually know a couple of Newcastle fans and reading their tweets um, after Newcastle games it's just like looking at the Palace Twitter you know they're just bored they're just bored of the same old shit and, and they don't really see a way out of it Uh you know, they, they, they don't see which players, I mean, I suppose Wilson's scoring, but 
They don't really see a player that will drag them out of it. And it just seems to be like a real general like malaise around Newcastle, which is sort of the same about, you know, you see around Palace now because it's just sort of like you're just a bit bored watching the team, mm. you know, go through the motion. It, it, for us, and it might be the same with Newcastle, like it's almost like the players know the manager's going to go, so they're just going to sort of tread water until it actually happens. And I don't think that Palace-Newcastle is going to be a great game for the neutral. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, certainly not. I mean, I know two Newcastle fans and one of them's taken the step that I just can't bring myself to do and has switched off completely. He hasn't He hasn't watched them for the last, just, just before this bad run started. So he picked a great time to stop watching them. And he had a long conversation uh, with the other Newcastle fan the other day about... Um, how we think there's there's no other teams in the league can be as pissed off as Palace and Newcastle fans are with with the current situation, including all the teams below us. But um, and a lot of it is you know, talking about you know similar it's a similar story to tell as you've said Hambo for both of us that it's just kind of like you know all, all you want is to see a bit more or something a plan B or to try something else, not just churning out the same stuff and. Um, Yes, I, I think you're right, uh, Heskiff. Uh, if this was one of those pay-per-view games, <laughs> I think it would be Newcastle and Palace fans only buying it. And um, I don't think there'll be many people switching on, especially if there's another game at the same time when we're playing them on the Tuesday night. But um, yeah, there you go. Uh, I think we can confidently say that both of you are sort of leaning towards defeats in those games or maybe maybe score draws if we're lucky. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm. it, you know, it, it is depressing. Um, but, you know, I suppose the next game can always give you that bit of brightness. But I don't know how you, how you feel about this, but I, I I believe now, and I said it on Twitter earlier, that the, the good performances are our blips. They, it used to be like, you know, we'd have a blip here and there and you look at that Liverpool game and think that was a, that was a terrible blip, but then the Villa game followed and... You know the Arsenal performance stands out as a, as probably one of our best performances in recent memory, and it was a nil nil. So, you know, <laughs> that's where we are, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. Let's. I think we'll just. That's, that's it. I think we can finish it there because we're, we're we're only going to bring ourselves down into the doldrums here. Um, so, Hambo, uh, the match report will be on Sunday as normal. Would you know who's joining you yet? I don't. It'll be whoever can stomach it. Um, but we're, <laughs> we're, I'm hoping to arrange a, uh, a a guest at the moment. It's got me. I've got to get my finger out. But I'm hoping a uh, a very exciting guest um, will be joining us. Uh, we, can, we can chat. Who has some 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 very good football knowledge to share with us? So um, yeah, look out for that. You know, that's, that's my teaser. That's all I'm going to give you for it. Um, well, but, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if I can um, clear that thing up on Sunday and join yeah, you. Yeah, cheers, mate. I appreciate that. You know, I mean, I've been, been asking for a while and you just keep saying no. But, you know, you, you give me a little ray of hope. Yeah. I felt, was he ginger like me? I say was ginger. I don't think he has hair anymore. Um, he, yeah, I think he does. Yeah, I think there's definitely a bit of Auburn going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, more teasers there and... Um, and then, so I suppose you guys can cover off more on the Newcastle game now if you don't want to talk about um, what went on against Wolves too much. <laughs> undoubtedly, undoubtedly. <laughs> um, it'd be wrong with me not to mention uh, that um, obviously we are sponsored as well by Pitch Sport Football. If you just Google those words, Pitch Sport Football, download the app. They're launching a uh, an excitingly named um, prediction league called Foreplay. Check that out. Nothing to do with manscaped.com, although there's a ha- there's a happy link there. Uh, but obviously, yeah, do check out Pitch Sport. They've been great supporting us through the last couple of years. Really appreciate you supporting them as well. Get on there, do your match predictions, your lineup predictions, link up with us and uh, and help us get some really good statistics out of that app. Thank you very much. Yeah, now uh, I can give you a really, really good hint here, guys. This is um, hot off the press. In your lineup, I reckon you should predict that it's going to be Luca Milivojevic and James McCarthy <laughs> sent them in. 4 4 yeah. 442. Right, that's your lot. So tune into the match report on Sunday with Hambo. And then we, me, the Raw, we, me, Heskiff, maybe Hambo again. Who knows? Next Wednesday when we'll be, um, I guess, reviewing the Newcastle defeat <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then looking ahead towards our next fixture, who is seamlessly, someone's going to tell me after that, is against. Uh, 
Another team in the league. Another another yep. team in the Premier League is going to be. Um, I'm still filling. It's going to be oh Leeds away, the greatest team in the Premier League. Oh, we got no chance. Not with Bielsa as manager. <laughs> well, I mean, that, yeah, we've already shipped four past and once this season. So who who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I mean, it's just looking at the fixtures coming up: Wolves, Newcastle, Leeds, Burnley, Brighton, Fulham. These are the games that are going to tell us if we're in that relegation battle or not come come the end of February. So, um, yeah. anyway, look, until next week, up the Palace. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.